So the other day, I was talking to a friend and she basically implied that I'm not good with money. But that's crazy. I'm great with my money and I'm always finding great deals. And I always eat at home. And I'm really generous. And I really try and save. I'm not bad with money. I just don't make enough. That's not what it looks like. I needed those. I can feel you judging me, Phyllis. Aww. Dollars and cents. Dollars and cents. How many of you can relate to the video? Come on, you're in church. Come on. Raise them up. You, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The Amazon boxes gave it away. Uh, my name is Efren Pena. I am the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita. We are one of 11 incredible campuses all throughout Southern California and throughout the world. And uh, if you're visiting us for the first time, we hope that you enjoy your time with us. We hope that you eat plenty of donut hoes. We hope that you laugh a lot and learn a lot and, uh, and hopefully make some new friends here at South Hills. Now, today we are kicking off a brand new series. It's a three-week series. And um, it, it's really important to understand and know that uh, today kicking, we're kicking off a brand new series. But for many of you, right, today you will embark on a brand new journey uh, of spiritual growth. Right, and um, we are talking about dollars and cents, and this series is about money. The series is about money. It is about moolah. It is about bacon. It is about Benjamins, buckaroos, cheddar, dinero, moolah, paper, pesos, shekels, plata, cha-ching, however you want to call it. Right, we're going to be talking about it. All right, and so. The truth of the matter is that we all, we all want it and we all need it, but never, but there never seems to, to be enough of it, right? There never seems to be enough of it. In fact, the more that we have, the, we're trying to figure out how to get more of it. And so many of us find ourselves consumed with financial stress. We're consumed with financial stress. But Jesus, Jesus had plenty to say about it. Right? And this series is all about introducing you to a God-centered view of money. It's about helping you tunnel out of debt right, and build values-based giving rhythms into your lives that cultivate uh, kingdom-mindedness, generosity, and fulfillment. Now, we're going to jump right into it. And, and today's message is titled, You Are a Steward. All right? Yeah, your name is not Stuart, right? But you are a steward. And what does that actually mean, right? Because maybe some of you have a friend named Stuart and you don't, you don't really care too much for Stuart, right? But we're going to talk about this. Stuart is a person that manages another person's property, especially a large house or estate, right? So another name for Stuart, right, could be a manager, it could be a caretaker. It could be an agent, an overseer, right? Those are some other titles for a, uh, a steward. And God wants us to be a good steward, right, a good manager, a good caretaker of the things that he has blessed us with. 
right? He has blessed us. He wants us to be a good steward of our kids. He wants us to be a good steward of, of our, our finances, right? And so he's basically saying, man, we need to figure out how to, to manage, how to run the resources, the blessings that he has given us, right? Scripture reminds us that, that every good and perfect gift, right, comes from God. Everything that, that has value to us has been provided to us by God. And so God is saying, man, I need you to be a good steward, right? And so by the time you leave here, my hope is that you leave here understanding what is a steward, what it is to be a good steward, and begin to position yourself in order to make that happen. Now, I like to start every message with a thought. I want to get the, your juices bubbling and your, your brain going, right? Ever... I want you to go back and remember your first job ever as a teenager. For some of you, that was just a couple of months ago. For some of you, a couple of years ago. For some of you, you got to go wipe the dust off of that stuff, right? But I want you to go back, right, go back to that first job you had as a teenager, right? You got that first job. You worked uh, your tail off uh, during the week. And at the end of the week, or maybe it's at the end of two weeks, you get that check, right? You look at it, you are proud. You're like, yes. Like, look at it. Like, can't believe this piece of paper has value, right? You're like, smell it. You're like, wow, right? This is really cool. And you go cash it, right? And now all of a sudden, you cash it and you got money in your pocket. You're like, Yes, I got money in my pocket. And for those of you who are a little bit far more, a little bit more sophisticated, you have money in your wallets, right? I didn't have a wallet. It was in my pocket, in my front pocket, so I could feel it. Right where it was, right? And so you you go around and you're like, man, I got money. It's Friday. Woo, the weekend is here. And all of a sudden, Monday comes along and you're like, Ooh, mom, mom, you think I could borrow five bucks? Five bucks. Didn't you just get paid on Friday? Yeah, but Mama had all these things. It was it was a fun weekend, Mom. I had so much fun. And so your mom lends you your five dollars to get you through the week, right? And then all of a sudden, a week happens, and then two weeks, and three. And now there's a pattern forming. You work Friday, you get paid, and Monday, Mom, hook a brother up, Mom, until Mom says, "Oh, oh, oh, heck no, honey." You haven't paid me back for the two weeks you owe me before. And all of a sudden, you're forced to grow up. All of a sudden, you're forced to figure out, I need to, how to, I need to figure out how to make my money stretch past Monday. Right? Because mom ain't had it. I'm going to starve to death. Right? And so you go through this process. You don't have a clue how you spent the money. You don't know where it went. Right? And you're just trying to figure out the first life lesson of, 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 of money is how to make sure you have enough of it for later. Right? You remember, anybody remember those times? Right? Been there? Okay. Listen, let's be real. Most, people, most people's money is a mess, unfortunately. Most people's money is a mess, and it's a huge source of stress for people. It's a huge source of anxiety for many people. Right, it really is. Let me throw at you some eye-popping statistics, right, for you to chew on a little bit. 
46% of Americans spend more money than they make every month. 46% of Americans spend more money than they make in a month. So if we went bing, this way, you guys are good. You guys are good. You're, you're, you're good stewards. You understand it. The rest of you on this side, you're spending more money than you bring in. All right, and that, so imagine, then you add that. That was January, and you did it again in February, and then March, April, May, June, July, August, September. December, you have no hair, no money, right? And you're stressed out. And this, unfortunately, this is the way America is living, at least 46%. According to an article last year in the money section of the USA Today, a research commissioned by the latter company, Americans spend about $1,500 a month on non-essential items. $1,500, $1,500 pesos, shackles, however you want, cha-chings, whatever you want to call it, $1,500 a month, roughly about $18,000 a year on things we can do without. The 9 o'clock group was offended because I said coffee. I'm going to offend some people by saying tacos. Oh, see, see, see. Now, this, this, is how, this is how you get people to talk about you on social media when you say stuff like that. So you keep talking about me, all right? 38% of Americans claim they can't afford a retirement plan because they don't have enough money. 35% say they can't afford life insurance policy. 28% say they can't afford to pay off their credit card debt. 26% say they can't pay or afford to pay for their car repairs, which puts them in a bind because if you can't fix your car, then you can't get to work, which increases your debt. Like I said, not being able to address these financial concerns can bring about stress can bring about anxiety, can bring about health problems, and even, even complicate your relationships. In fact, several prominent surveys and polls taken uh, say that money, money is the second most reason why marriages end up in divorce. Because two people can't figure it out. Because two people can't make sense of it. The second most reason why people get divorced is because they can't figure out money. But the good news is that, <laughs> that God cares about you. He cares about the nuts and bolts of our daily lives. He cares about our relationships, and he definitely cares about our finances. It matters to him very much what concerns and worries us. It matters to him the things that we laid Lay, you know, lay down in bed and we contemplate how we're going to pay for this, how we're going to do this, how we're going to take care of that. And, you know, and, and, it, and it's super important for us to, to understand that, that God cares about your finances and that he wants to help you make sense of it. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven. He did. And if that's the case, then I think it's super important for us to to. To, that we should be talking more, we should be talking about it just as often as Jesus did. 
Now, Jesus spoke and taught many times uh, to the crowds through parables, right? And, and, and parables are just a simple storytelling used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And if you want to learn more about parables, then you need to sign up for Justin. And, and, and see how, you see how that did that? That was pretty cool, right? <laughs> Rack them up. I get, I get a commission off of that, maybe? All right. Now, I'm going to share with you this parable of the three servants and the silver coins in hopes that it brings light, right? It brings a clearer understanding of how God perceives this thing about money. So we're going to go to Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. It's too much of a scripture to put on the screen. So I just gave it there for you, and you go home and read it, all right? But I'm going to read it to you this morning. Verse 14, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, their master had returned from his trip and called them to give an account on how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned Five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's go and celebrate together, right? The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, this is where things start to get interesting. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew that you are a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and cultivating uh, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the, uh, with the ten bags of silver. To those, this is important now, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, needless to say, that last servant didn't do too well, right? Now, 
what I want you to get from this scripture, what I want you to get from this part, and this is super important. I want you to take this note down or, or take a picture of it because this is, this is the nook and cranny of it. With all resources, with all resources, there's a receiving, right, the getting, the being given to, a reckoning, right, is what we do with it, and a space between, right? So we get it and the way we use it for, but there's a space in between these two. That gap or that space in between is so important. It is so vital to where we find ourselves today at this moment and where we will be tomorrow. Because the more space, the more space that you have in between these two, right, the more intentional and focused you have to be to stay on track with your resources. So, again, you have this part that you've been given, and this is the part that you now are doing something with it. But that space, the more space that we have in here, the more opportunity we are, are, have been given or giving ourselves to mess up, to get distracted, right? Because you and I know too many of times our present realities have distracted us from our ultimate priorities. Yes, we want to buy a home, but our, our current realities, the things that we want to do, kind of prevent us from doing that. Oh, yes, I want to I I be able to secure the, my co- kids' college fund. But the things, the choices I'm making today don't, don't add up for that to be possible. Right? Oh, yeah, I, I want to be able to go on vacation with my family, enjoy. We haven't been on vacation in a long time. And, and so, but the things that are the decisions that I'm making today happen. In other words, buying a new outfit for that party today can prevent you from securing a, a life insurance that will be valuable to you for tomorrow. Decisions that we make today can separate us from how we want to live, from having financial peace tomorrow. Let me give you another plug-in. Financial Peace University is starting in a few weeks. And if you want to learn more and get a grip and understanding of your finances, we've, uh, we've put about almost 20 people through Financial Peace University uh, at the end of last year. Um, and uh, God has been doing some incredible things. And just today, someone uh, between services came up to me and just said, man, Pastor, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the opportunity of bringing and presenting financial peace, for, for uh, allowing me to better understand my resources, what God has given me, all right? And so if you're interested, we're going to be talking about that a little further down uh, the road here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but... Uh, just keep that in mind, Financial Peace University. Now, if there is too much space between the receiving of your resources and the reckoning, right, what you do with it, our present realities, our present circumstances, our present situations will pull us away from making the right decisions. Does that make sense? Right? Nod your head, do something, laugh, wave your hand, right? If, if we don't get a grip 
on this space in between, then we won't be able to get a grip and make better decisions for the future. So we need to understand this space in the middle. We won't be able to address the things that need to be addressed to situate us for a better tomorrow. Listen, we've been talking about this for, for since the beginning of the year. What can, what can we do to be better and do better? At the end of the game, this is what we're all chasing. We're all chasing how to, to live the life that we currently have here on earth, whatever, however long that may be. We just want to live our life better, do better, and be better. And it all revolves on one thing. It all revolves around understanding who God is and what he is calling us to do and how we are to live our life here on earth. Because here's the thing, waiting until the reckoning, waiting until you, you, you're ready to begin to, to, to live this part of your life, right? Waiting for that to, to get there, to rebuild and refocus yourself doesn't end well. You can't really go from gathering your resources to living the life and then realizing, oh, I can't live this life, I got to go back. That's really hard to do because it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. Think about this. It, in fact, it impacts your kids. It impacts your marriage. It impacts your, your, your health. It impacts your money. We cannot wait till we get to the end of the line in order to position ourselves to be better and do better. It doesn't work that way. You can't wait for your kids to turn 18 to now talk about finances with them. You can't. You can't. You, you got you to, gotta, that space in the middle, you got to figure this out. You got to work it out to how it best, best benefits your kids. Wait till, well, till, till she leaves in order to figure out your marriage is not going well? That's not, that's, that's not good. Right? Waiting for, for, uh, for, for you to have a heart attack before you address your health issues? For so many of us, we wait till we get to the, to the result in order to start making changes in our lives, in order to redirect, to refocus, to rebuild. And I want to tell you this morning that that's a bad, bad equation. You don't need to sit in, in Mrs., you know, Mrs. Smith's class, 101, Math 101, to, to, get, to understand that. It doesn't add up. You cannot wait for the creditors to come knocking on your door to figure out how to get your money in, in order. You cannot wait till they come take your home, take your car to understand that it's important that we understand our finances. Listen, we need to get regular reminders. We need to get regular reminders of what's priority between the receiving and the reckoning. We need to set some things in that space in the middle, right, in that space in between that says, man, in order to get to this, you need to, you need to do this. You need to have this area of your life taken care of. You need to realign. You need to figure this out in order to achieve this, right? There's some realtors here. There's some financial people here. There's some people that are, are enjoying this, their, this, this season of life over here because they've made some uh, 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 um, adjustments here. 
And those who are trying to get you to get into a home or get a new car or get on a vacation or provide, get college fund going on, you need to understand this part here. Because when you get there, it may be too late for you to figure that out and try to, you know, call the Calvary in. So we need regular reminders of what's priority between the receiving and the reckoning. This is the reason why in the Old Testament uh, people had rhythms. They had things in place, right? They had feasts. They had sacrifices. They had pilgrimages. They had tithes. They had these spiritual disciplines, right, that allowed them uh, or systems on a regular basis that allowed them to rebuild and refocus to assure they stayed on track. They wanted to follow God. They wanted to be with God. They wanted to feel his presence. So they had to make adjustments and put reminders, spiritual disciplines, in order to to make sure they found themselves in the very presence of God. That they understood that they, they, they put things in place so that they could be blessed, right? And this is the reason why we have spiritual disciplines. To make sure that we're on track and going in the direction that we want and need to go. I bet if I ask every person in this room and in the first service, right, wherever they want to go, wherever they want to be, right, the reckoning part, where they want to be at, they're going to tell you, man, I want to be good. Nobody says, oh, I want to be poor, right, oh, I, I, I want to live, you know. Nobody says that. They want to eat where they want to eat, enjoy what they want to enjoy, right? You you ask them around. Everybody's going to say, man, I want to live this way. I want to be able to enjoy this this life. But in order to be there, you got to put some spiritual disciplines. You got to be wise. You got to be smart. Here's the thing, the bigger the, 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 the interval, the bigger the space between the receiving and the reckoning, the harder it is to rebuild and, and, and refocus. If you have too much space in here, right, it's going to be it's gonna be difficult. It's not impossible, but it's going to be difficult to get where you want to get. And this is why when it comes to money, God recommends that, that we give as soon as we get. That is the first thing that we do. So that we don't get distracted by our current situations. So that we don't get distracted by our circumstances. Right? Because in order to get where we want to get, God recognizes that. And and we need to recognize that, man, we need to put this, this spiritual discipline in place. And God says, start tithing. Start by giving the first fruits. Right, tithing is giving the first 10% of whatever you get back to God through your local church. Right, when we give that first fruit, that first 10% of what he has given us, right, we're acknowledging the fact that every good and perfect gift comes from his hand. We're acknowledging that the food on the table, the clothes on our back, the roof on the head, the, uh, over our head, the gas in the car, the blessings that we have come from his hand. And we could sit here and we could go back and forth because you don't want to believe that everything comes from his hand. We'll go back to the very beginning that you breathe because of him. Right? And God is saying, give that first fruit, that first 10%. Align that. Let's start, let's start at the very beginning. Let's not wait till we get distracted with, with entertainment. 
you know, things we want to do. Let's not wait till we see those shoes go on sale. Let's not wait till that, that, that car goes, you know. Let, let's, let's start off with giving God first. Leviticus 27 verse 30, this is a, the original command to tithe. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Listen, I'm not a mathematician, but, right, when you think about it, 100%, take 10% away, I get to live off 90%. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 90% of what? All of the 100% that God has blessed me, I get to keep and make arrangements and figure things out with. Friends, tithing rebuilds your life around God as your priority and your provider. And so maybe the question that we should be asking ourselves in the mirror is, is God my priority and is God my provider? Those are the tough questions, the ones that we don't want to ask in the mirror, but we need to ask. Because if he is your provider and if he is your priority, then you begin to take the necessary steps to align your heart Align your mind, align your finances, align your spiritual growth to assure that you go from the receiving to the reckoning and in between you've taken care of business. Because without this regular reminder, your resources will slip through your fingers and you're likely to be, uh, to be full of regret whenever your reckoning comes when you cannot accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, when you cannot live the life that you want to live because you did not put in these reminders. Because the truth of the matter is, by then it might be too late. So let me wrap this up this morning. Some of you don't want to talk to me anymore. You're like, I got to... Some of you visiting for the first time, why you got to bring me to the service to talk about money? All right? <laughs> Take away their tacos, their coffee. But I guarantee you that if you take care of what God has given you, you'll have plenty of tacos and coffee. All right? So where do we go from here? What do we do from here? How do we take what we've learned today and begin to apply it and live it out in our everyday life? I would suggest, now this is where we start to separate people here. Because if you have been practicing tithing, then this is like, oh, thanks for reminding me, Pastor. But I'm good in this. And praise the Lord, that is awesome. Right, but some of us find ourselves saying, you know what, I really haven't given tithe. I've been given a little here, a couple few bucks here, and a few bucks there. But that's not how we actually put things in play, right? You want to see God doesn't bless us in, in increments. Like, little for you, little sprinkle, right? I think he stands on like that meme before his sense. He's like, he's like dropping it down and it just sprinkles over us. That's the God that we serve. We serve a generous God, right? But that's for another story. 
So how do we put this into place, Pastor? What if I haven't been given my tithes? I haven't figured that out, right? What can I do? And, I, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you a tool in your hand this morning. You start by giving tithing a try through a 90-day challenge that I'm going to present to you. On your seat, somewhere on the side of you, or, or you got to pull it out because you sat on it, right, is this card that's titled the 90-Day Giving Challenge, right? I'm going to read what it says on the card there and then reiterate some things. It says, God asks his people to give to his work on multiple occasions throughout Scripture in both the Old and the New Testaments. He is always elected to partner with people to accomplish his purpose here on earth. And while resources are required to bring vision to life, it's not your money that God is ultimately after. It's your heart. It just so happens that the two are intertwined. It's impossible to hand over one while hoarding the other. It's how humans how humans are wired. This 90-day challenge is a way of giving giving a try on training wheels, on a trial basis, to experiment with this life-changing spiritual discipline, discipline. And so this is basically what we're saying. That if you've never given tithe before, right? You've never given anything before or you've given a here and there, but you've never given that first 10%. We're saying take, us, take this challenge for 90 days. Begin to tithe, right? And maybe you say, well, I give tithe, Pastor. I'm cool. Like, no, no. Well, if you're tithing, then we want you to take a step further and begin to, to give to, to beyond our walls. To take this challenge as well. To step out of faith, you say, and say, I'm going to take this challenge because this is what we're going to do. If you take this challenge for the next 90 days and you don't see God do something amazing in your life, if you don't see miracles take place, if you don't see your finances start going a different way, right, going up, if you don't see God's blessing, provision in your life over the 90 days, these next 90 days that you started this challenge, that we're going to refund you back all the money you gave. Over that 90-day period, we're going to say, okay, you, you haven't seen God do anything in your life? Okay, no questions asked. I'm going to write you back a check for all that you have given. That's how strongly we believe that God is our provider and our priority. That's how strongly we believe that God will do something incredible in your life. That's how strongly we believe that, that every good and perfect gift comes from his hands. I, I get it. Some of you are like, you're right. You're not going to give it back. I, we will. We will. You take the 90-day challenge. and You begin to give God the first fruits, that first 10%. The Bible says, and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out something that you can't even contain or handle. So 
So as we get ready, if our ushers get ready to collect our tithing and our offering, this is what I'm going to do. If you're ready to take this challenge, you, you fill out the card, you check off which box, and you drop it in the offering basket, right? And if you're not ready just yet, right, that's okay. You want to go home, you want to pray about it, you want to talk about it with your spouse, your family members. Hey, we're going to do this together. We're going we're gonna to take this 90-day challenge and see what God does, right? Because the truth of the matter is that God is not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. Will you trust him with your money? Because for some of us, we trust God with a sickness. We trust God when we need him to intervene in, in a dispute that we're having. We trust God to take care of some matters at our workplace. We, we, we even ask God to eliminate people out of our lives. I'll be the first to admit that I have prayed many a times for guys to leave the life of my daughters. <laughs> and he hasn't failed me yet. Thank you, Lord. Right? But we, 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 will, we, we trust God in those areas. But some of us are just not quite there to trust God with our finances. And I wonder why. Well, now we've provided an option, an escape, a loop. But if you take this 90-day challenge and God doesn't do something in your finances, as you give, you faithfully give your 10%, not five, not four, not two, but your 10%, the very first. If God doesn't come through for you in some way, in some fashion, he doesn't bless you, doesn't, then we'll give you back those resources that you gave. Because again, it's not about the money. Do you have the faith to trust God with everything? In a moment, we're going to pray as we get ready to collect our tithes and our offerings. At Southfields, we have several ways you can give. You can use the envelope system that's on the, uh, the back of the chair in front of you. You can put uh, your tithing, your, your giving through that. Or you can use one of our digital platforms. You can text to give. You can download the uh, Church Center app or you can give online. Just make sure that you uh, select the Santa Clarita campus. As we mentioned before, we have several campuses. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to do some incredible things over these next several months as we, as some of us, begin to step out in faith and trust God. Amen.